You're listening to the Barry Egan Tapes on News Talk. I'm Barry Egan of the Sunday Independent, and my guest today is Nathan Carter. Merry Christmas, Nathan. How's Christmas for you? Happy Christmas, Barry. Um, yeah, it's 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 a bit different this year than usual. Yeah. Um, not getting to see as many loved ones and friends and family as I would like, but uh, I think we're all in the same boat, aren't we? So. Absolutely. Have you any New Year's resolutions? What are you giving up? Um, I'm I'm giving up worrying anymore. I'm I'm not going to worry about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Live life to the full. What was the worst part of this year for you? I mean, for someone who's so driven and busy, 200 gigs a year to no gigs a year and sitting at home. Uh, I'd say that the toughest part has been trying to adapt to a new way of life. Um, as you say, I'm so used to doing so many gigs and having a crazy busy schedule and meeting people every day to go from doing that to doing absolutely nothing and trying to find things to keep me my mind occupied has been the toughest thing it's 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 quite an adjustment but how do you um, stop your mind from from veering towards the dark bits uh just by being physical and uh keeping myself active and Probably uh, a bit of exercise as well. Exercise has kind yeah. of helped me a lot to, to focus and not be, um, as you say, thinking. Uh, when you've got too much time on your hands to think, it's it can be dangerous. But wasn't there a point at one stage where you were having a giant bar of chocolate every night, staying up late, watching movies, TV, getting up late? There was, yeah. Earlier this year, you know, I, I think we were about three months into the lockdown and I had no projects going on, no music. My my friend had passed away and just probably eating too much, drinking a bit too much and just had no no drive. I, I'd, I'd lost my, what would you call it, mojo. mojo. And... um. Yeah, so the, the, there was a t- tough time there this year where just, um, you know, as I say, going from doing being so active to doing nothing it was, was the toughest, yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I know there's an Elvis song on the Christmas album, Blue Christmas, but were you in danger of any point of, of turning into Elvis in his, in his later <laughs> years, physically? Eat, eat, eating the chips and the burgers, yeah, maybe yeah. so. Um, I know, I, I don't know if it was a, I was that bad, but... Um, but no, I mean, as I say, I'm glad that I had a bit of exercise and, and I, I, I managed to get outdoors and try and do a bit more outside. It definitely for me, and I know for a lot of people, it, it, it helps the mind and it's it's good to be active. It really is. Was it your brother and his his wife who came up to kind of live with you? <laughs> he loved that, his wife. Yeah, his girlfriend. His girlfriend. Um, no pressure now. Um, <laughs> Christmas wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um. It was, yeah, they, they, they were staying with me, Jake and Karen, during lockdown at the very start. And I, I had no I know Karen one day, she she came up to the room, she says, It's one o'clock in the afternoon, what are you doing? Get up and I says, I'm just watching T V. Was you, did and your mother says, send on. them there to, to keep an eye on you? Keep, probably, keep them away from the yeah, chocolate. With, without me knowing, my mum probably gave them a phone call and said, Get that lad out of house of bed, tell him he needs to do something. So, um I was lucky that they were there, you know, and, and they kind of encouraged me to to go walking and to do a bit of running and to get outside so yeah it's you know it's you need people around you and um and thankfully i had them at that stage you know yeah tell me that there is a very sad um song on the on the new album the best of the first 10 years wings to fly tell me about the, the, nikki who died at the start of this year yeah, so Nicky James was um, my, my best friend, really, and uh, he was my mentor since I was a kid. He, he was a musician himself, and he brought me um, 
he brought me into music when I was a kid and, and used to bring me up on stage to, to play and, and kind of nurtured my career for many years and took me to record my first album. And just we remained serious good friends, you know, since I moved to Ireland in 2009. Um, and he's originally from Armagh, but lived in Liverpool at the time. So um, he was a great friend and he passed away suddenly this year in February. And it was a huge shock. I just, it was out of the blue. And I suppose I've never really lost anyone that close to me before that I, that I would have been so close to speaking to you know two or three times a week and and you know as a best friend so it was it was a tough blow and I, I did stop singing you know in, in the midst of lockdown in the midst of all of that and John Farry my manager he kind of got in touch one day and he's like Nathan come on we, we need to do a bit of a writing session maybe to get you singing again and uh, just it was kind of looking out for me I guess you know and he so we did we, we did a writing session and I, I wrote a song in memory of, of Nicky and uh, Wings to Fly is the name of the song and that's what came about after us doing that session. You heard about his death just before you were about to do a gig in England, wasn't it? I did. I was about to go on stage in a place called Hunstanton. And, um, what was that gig like and, then? Uh, I don't really remember most of it. Um, it, was, it wasn't great now, to be honest. It, it was, uh, my, you know, you, you really... My mind was elsewhere, I put it that way, for that gig. And I, I couldn't put 100% into it, for sure. Um, I'd only found out now before, and I remember yeah. sitting just bawling my eyes out crying, and then my nan coming in the room, who who helped sell the merchandise and stuff for us on, on tour. and yeah. She's just saying, come on, you know, he'd, he'd want you to do this gig, so get you know, you need to do it, pull yourself together, and, and try and get through it. So so I did, found the strength, and got through it, and... Uh, but as I say, I definitely wasn't there for most of the gig. I don't know where I was. So yeah, Nikki guided you in your early career. Do, do, do you think? Do you believe in God? Do you, do you think he came into your life for a reason to guide you? Um, I wouldn't be a particularly religious person, but I uh, yeah, I mean, I would believe sometimes that we're, we're meant to meet certain people along the way, and um, he he was um always there for me and, and I probably wouldn't well I definitely wouldn't be here now today if it wasn't for him so um I guess I was we were we were meant to meet at, at that stage when I was a kid and he's he's basically got me to where I am today yeah how do you look back on your childhood in, in Liverpool I look back with fond memories um it was a great childhood growing up great family um a lot of music geez I must have done like three or four lessons every week between piano lessons accordion lessons singing lessons I was in the choir I was in the Kayleigh band so my life was just like 99% of it revolved around music um which was great and it's 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 as it's got me to where I am today and my love for music and and my career my life everything is about music so yeah um so I look back fondly was there a first record you remember making you think you'd like to do this with your life Hearing somebody. Um, I remember listening to Don McLean's album, um, over and over and over again from when I was about eight or nine years old. It was the album with American Pie on, and it was like seven and a half, eight minutes long, and I I knew every word to it. Um, I'd say my mum and dad absolutely despised that song now because I used to play it every night over and over and over again. Um, but Don McLean was a big influence on me, and it's I got the love really for folk music back then. And listening to songs like um, 
Vincent and just all the I can't remember a few of the others now, but that that, that album was kind of influential for me. It just I listened to it over and over again. Would you listen to your was your parents listening to like the Clancy Brothers and the Dubliners and things like that? My mum and dad would have been into Motown stuff, would you believe, and soul music. So I and I I always did like that stuff as well. But my nan and granddad, whenever I was at their house, they would have been listening to Clancy's, um. Tommy Makem, all them, all them fantastic singers. Uh, Christy, Mary Black, they loved all that kind of Irish folk stuff. So that, that I grew up kind of surrounded by that as well, which was um, another reason probably why I sing the stuff I do now. So explain to me, how did you end up moving to to Northern Ireland? Um, Where I you've been moved, to this day? I actually moved to the Republic first. I moved to Donegal for three years with my nan's best friend. Uh, I was nineteen in the village of Bridgend. Yeah. Bridge End, yeah, right on the border of, of Derry and Donegal. The front garden was in Derry and the back garden was in Donegal. <laughs> yeah, it sure was, yeah. yeah. Um, I moved there when I was 19 because I was offered uh, 20 gigs with a band uh, and to see how it went. And um, I'd met my manager, I had two managers back then actually, and they both brought me over for a month to see how it would go. And I literally came over, we'd done the gigs, they, they, some of them were awful and some of them were pretty good uh, but I ended up staying and uh, been here ever since um, I then moved from Donegal down to Fermanagh yeah. it was slightly less far to travel home at night I remember coming back from what, Mallow What, what was Cork. it like you lived with your granny's friend for three years she she did all your cooking and washing and you used it as a base what, what was that like those three years? Um, Them three years were great it was kind of like a big adventure for me I'd, I'd moved over. I was still a teenager, um, on on tour four or five nights a week, traveling around the roads of Ireland in a car myself. And my, I used to pick up my my drummer and bass player lived in Castledeg and Cyan Mills in in Tyrone. So I used to pick them up on the way down, and we'd be playing in Cavan and Mayo and Cork and Dublin in the Red Cow Hotel, doing all these dances. And great fun. It was like lads on tour. It was it was you know discovering things for the first time and and playing gigs and people. Yeah, I, I had a I had a big point to prove as well in the fact that I was coming from Liverpool to try and crack this country dance scene. So it was it was uh, it was good. It was great times, and I was so uh, determined. You know, I was I had loads of energy and uh, mad keen and mad for the road. Yeah, what was it like for what's Granny's friend's name? I can't keep calling her Granny's friend. Anne, Anne, yeah, Anne McClay was her name. Her and her husband Jim. Did and, did Anne ever know, say to you, "You treat this place like a hotel"? <laughs> she did, yeah, a few times, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I I paid me way. You know, I give her me money every every week. How much and, were you giving her up? I think I was giving her one hundred and twenty quid a week, which yeah. was a lot of money. You yeah. know, uh, at the same time, it was. It was better than me living on my own and having to do cook and wash and iron and clean. I, I wouldn't have been able to do it at nineteen because I was a spoiled, I was spoiled rotten by my mum. She she was, you know, the best mum in the world for looking after us. Like yeah. we we didn't literally lift a finger in the house apart from we'd get told to do the dishes or, you know, go and do. You'd have to do a bit of jet washing every now and again or something like that. But mum did all the ironing and the cooking and the cleaning and. She's fantastic and still is to this day. So I'd left that. So it was great to not have to just be 
on my own to, to work to figure this all out you know at 19 so which a lot of people have to do uh, but I was lucky enough I, I had on and um, you know I was on on the road four nights a week and then getting in at five in the morning and not waking up till one or two in the afternoon and probably wasn't the healthiest of lifestyles now to be honest with you when I look back at it I was I was sleeping during the day and then eating junk food when you get up and oh, it's, it's not great did I not have breakfast in bed here she did, but the problem is, Am was a fantastic and pajamas baker on, and on, the, on the on the on the radiator or something. She was a great cook, you see. So you'd wake up and there'd be a full fry waiting for you, and then like soda bread with currants in and all this crack. So like, I I definitely put on about a stone and a half within the first two years of moving to Ireland. <laughs> what are your memories of of the fateful night in two thousand and twelve at the Mellon Hotel in when in Oma? when everything started to work out for you, the gig was sold out. And didn't you, you rang your mum, didn't you? Uh, I think I did on the way home from it, yeah. That that was... Um, was that the start of the... of the beginning of Nathan Carton, Nathan Carter, the superstar? <laughs> I don't know about superstar, no. Um, it was the start of something anyway. And, it, you know, it was a big changing point for me because we'd gone from playing to 100 people a night, maybe 150 some nights if we, we were lucky, to this place in in oma in tyrone uh, the doors being closed at like half nine ten o'clock and we weren't meant to be on stage till 11 and there was literally i don't know four or five hundred people outside the venue queuing up and they couldn't get in there was going to be a crush if, if they got in through the doors so um i'd never seen anything like this before and it was definitely a changing point for us um and there's nothing better publicity wise than to have sold out uh, or couldn't get in you know to a venue so for us it was definitely a change in a turning point was that the first night that them. women were throwing certain parts of their um clothes at you <laughs> yeah i think they thought tom jones was in the room maybe they got mistaken yeah. with, with me um yeah it was quite funny yeah we did we did laugh um the, the girls had obviously had a, maybe one too many sambukas at the bar and they came up and started enjoying themselves a bit too much. But but things were changing for you. I mean, how did Wagon Wheels change your life? Well, Wagon Wheel was a song that um, I then released. Uh, the things in the north were going great. And the likes of that gig there in Oma was selling out so quick. And then I released Wagon Wheel and it kind of introduced me to people in the Republic of Ireland a lot more and introduced me to daytime radio which i hadn't been played on before this i'd only been played on the country shows on the regional uh, airwaves of the different stations but wagon wheel then got played on daytime you know radio rt1 and um today fm all them sort of shows you know and um what was it about introduced that me to a new uh, i don't know it seemed to appeal to young and old uh it was, it was a crossover hit if you like you know and um we done a video in 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 Rossnaula Beach in up in Donegal, and that d- gathered momentum on its own. It was getting like fifteen twenty thousand views a day, and and Facebook was getting big then to two thousand twelve. So people were sharing this video like mad. Um, so it was just the right song at the right time, and it just seemed to connect. And I was very lucky that I recorded it. Very very lucky. Because it's Christmas, uh, Nathan. Can you please give us a bar of it now? Of wagon wheel? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Rock me, mama, like a wagon wheel. Rock me, mama, any way you feel. Hey, 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 mama, rock me. I can't remember the rest. <laughs> it's been too long. There's also on your Christmas album, there's a great version of um, Blue Christmas. 
how is the romance going for you at the moment? Is it a is it a blue Christmas? Um, I don't know if you'd say a blue Christmas, but it's um, it, it's not filled with uh, a partner and kids. Anyway, put it that way. It's I'm still young, young, free, and single in my own head. Yeah. Um, but no, listen, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's blue. It's it's good. I'm I'm happy enough. It's been a uh, a tough enough year, but I know in the heart of hearts that next year I think will be a much better year for everyone you know is your mother on the phone to you constantly saying any any news any news you know is, is there any love in your life <laughs> have you found anyone she's not that pushy funny enough uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough with. but didn't she fix you, sort you to, to live with her uh, her mother's friend Anne she did she did yeah 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 she's um she, I listen. My my mom's been great all through the years. She's been so supportive, and she's very, I think, very proud of everything that I've achieved. And, um, but she wouldn't be pushy. You know, I'm lucky enough that she's not. And she she wouldn't be ringing me every day, like asking questions. She's, she's a, she's a mother that just kind of sits back a bit and and lets you do your own thing. You know. What are your plans for next year? I mean, if any, can you plan? When when do you hope to be able to play two hundred gigs a year again? I don't think I'll ever do 200 gigs a year again. I think after this year, I've kind of learned a bit that life is a bit more important than just being obsessed with gigging and being on the road. Um, I do miss it like mad, and I miss the, the the fans and the people and the buzz of the gig and the music and the band and the whole thing that goes with being on stage. But uh, I don't think I'll do it at the same level I was done it before. You know, I, I think... I will probably just do certain tours a year and, and do a bit in Ireland, a bit in England, Scotland, and then maybe go to America and do, we, we started breaking into America. So we're going to have to concentrate more on there and stuff for sure. But yeah. um, the days of doing 200 gigs, maybe a hundred, but not 200 anyway. Um, but I, you can't really plan. I mean, we're, we're currently putting dates in at the minute for the second half of the year and we've got stuff in April and May. But who knows? Uh, promoters don't even know. So I don't know. Time will tell. And there's no point in worrying because you're only going to get yourself stressed. So I'm not going to worry about it. What will be, will be. Has this year given you an, a new understanding of what life is about? Or is there a meaning of life for you? I think it has, yeah. I mean, it's been so different to anything else before for everybody. You know, I know a lot of people are still working like they were before, but there's a whole lot of people that aren't and they've had to adjust. But for me, um, I think for one, not seeing family and not being able to see family, like my nan and granddad and stuff, I didn't see them for six months there, um, is really tough. And I know so many families have gone through it this year. So, we we've all learnt as a as a collective to appreciate our, our family and relatives a bit more than probably what we did before. Brilliant. Listen, Nathan Carter, Merry Christmas and thanks so much for talking to us. Happy Christmas, Barry. Thank you for having me on. The Barry Egan tapes on News Talk.